KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Major winter storms are hitting much of California this week, but what does it all mean with the state's long-running drought? I'm Matt Hoffman, and this is KPBS Roundtable. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. San Diego and the rest of California have been getting hit hard by storm after storm. In some areas, it's causing devastating flooding. All this rain does present an opportunity for a state battered by years of severe drought. But state infrastructure and other issues are making saving that rainwater a little complicated. This week, the State Water Authority removed one of those roadblocks. Joining us to discuss how storage capacity is key to getting out of the drought are Haley Smith, she's a reporter from the Los Angeles Times focusing on drought, wildfires, and climate change. Alistair Bland is here with us. He's a reporter who covers water and climate for Cal Matters. And San Diego Union Tribune columnist Michael Smolens is back with us. I want to welcome you all here to Roundtable. Haley, first question is going to go to you, and then Michael and Alistair will ask you to jump in. You know, we've been seeing the impacts of these winter storms, lots of rain and a lot of snow that it's brought us. So... Maybe simple question, are we still in a drought in California? The answer is yes, <laughs> unfortunately. And and it's certainly more nuanced than that. But yes, the answer is we are still in a drought. And, you know, I think it, it can be confusing for people to look around at all the rain and snow that we've received this winter and then also know that we're still under drought conservation orders and severe watering limits, at least for millions of us in Southern California. So there's no doubt that the the rain and snow we got this winter made a difference. Reservoirs are fuller. We had record snowpack. Soil moisture has improved. But most experts still say it's going to take more than a handful of storms to undo essentially years of deficits. And on top of that, service water, you know, rain and snow is really only one factor of our water supply picture. Groundwater didn't really benefit much from these storms. Uh, the Colorado River, which is another major source for us, didn't really benefit from these storms. So even though we're doing better, uh, we still have to plan for water scarcity when we when we think about the big picture. And Alistair, we want to hear from you. And then Michael, how would you guys sort of characterize what we're seeing right now? As Haley said, we are still in a drought. And We've just seen incredible rain, some of the heaviest rains in a long time. And then just like what happened last year, they just turned off and they went dry for February. So, um, and this is a pattern that's been predicted by climate scientists that we're going to have wetter wets and, and shorter wetter wets and then longer, drier dries. One way to look at the drought classification is, uh, I, I think, is that it's just to consider that we are either in a drought or about to be in a drought. And that's just how it goes in California. Yeah. And I almost think that almost need to change, not the conversation, but the terminology. We're sort of going to be under sort of a drought mindset. And I think people get that. I think people understand, most people, 
even though we're getting these deluges, they've seen the stories, the relentless stories about just the long-term drought and the, the future concern. And there's been a lot of discussion about the ebb and flow. As Alistair mentioned, uh, you know, the, the atmospheric rivers and the long droughts. I think it's confusing people, but I do think they get it. But yeah, I just think that they're, they're, the more we can kind of keep focus on the long term, which is hard to do when people are almost getting washed out to sea by some of these storms. We're not talking about millions, not talking about billions, but trillions of gallons of rainwater has been falling in California. Alistair, you know, in theory, it sounds great. Let's put out some big buckets, catch it, and boom, drought's over. But as you write, it's just it's just not that easy. Can you first describe for us the different ways that water authorities capture rain, or at least how they try to? Yeah, there's a variety of ways. So about 80 years ago or sometime in the last century, um, the government built a lot of dams, obviously, higher up in the watersheds. And so uh, any water that falls upstream of those dams is captured in the reservoirs. So that's that's taken care of now, but it's not it's not enough. And uh, lower down in the system, in the Delta, for example, the Sacramento San Joaquin Delta, water pumps divert water out and it gets stored in reservoirs south of the Delta or it gets immediately used by cities and farms. There's also some stormwater capture systems in urban areas that are being developed now. And um, Haley might be able to tell us more about that. I think LA is working on it. There's a lot of talk about it. The, the water that's falling on the ground that, that will not go into a reservoir. It's going to go into a river or just in the, into the ocean or something. And there's a variety of ways that we can capture it uh, and then sink it into the ground or put it into reservoirs. And state officials are working on it. And Haley, along those lines, what are some of the big water storage projects that are happening in the state? And if you want, you can answer Alistair's question too that he had. Sure. The answer is sort of one in the same. I mean, I guess there are a number of projects, various sizes. A lot of them tend to be controversial. Um, one proposal that's been floated around for decades is finally getting some traction, and that's the Sites Reservoir north of Sacramento. I think it would hold one and a half million acre feet of uh, stormwater from the Sacramento River. But these projects tend to get pushed back from environmental groups or agricultural interests who don't necessarily want the development or say it could have harms to the environment or to people and the animals that rely on the river. But then even at a smaller level here in L.A., as Alistair mentioned, we have some major initiatives underway for stormwater capture. And so, you know, I think when people think about stormwater capture, maybe they are picturing buckets or dams. But what we're trying to do here in L.A. and in other parts of the state is think about really one of the best places to put all that water is back into the ground. So we have these aquifers and basins beneath our feet that are a huge piece of our water supply. And so even just removing concrete and asphalt and hardscaping to let more rainwater percolate into the earth and recharge those groundwater basins can make a huge difference and give us more to tap into when things inevitably get dry again. And Michael, in a recent column that you had, you, you wrote that in a matter of just a few weeks, the conversation went from how do we get more water or live with less to how can we harness these massive storms? Is this something that communities, including San Diego, are looking into or, or, or are investing in? It's difficult. In San Diego specifically, they've done a lot of diverse aspects to get different sources of water. They have increased storage. They built a brand new reservoir up in North County in Olivenhain. It was a first uh, you know, local dam reservoir project in, in a half century. 
Also, within the last couple of decades, they raised the dam at the San Vicente Reservoir out East County. So they've been doing that. Uh, but a lot of that, I think, is also to store you know, imported water that we get and recycled water that, that we're, we're doing more and more of. Uh, you know, it's got a wastewater recycling plant coming on and, of course, desalination. So it's, I don't want to say it isn't a priority. They've spent a lot of money. But I think, you know, going to the more diverse sources is what they've done down here in addition to increasing some storage. And Haley, what can you sort of tell us about how much rain across the state is being captured and how much is maybe being lost? You know, it ends up going down rivers and eventually into oceans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, during January's atmospheric river storms, I think the estimates were that trillions and trillions of gallons of stormwater went uncaptured and were essentially whisked out to the ocean. Here in L.A., with our sort of current existing infrastructure, the L.A. River is basically channelized to direct water to the ocean. I think the estimate is somewhere around 80 percent of an average storm ends up in the Pacific. So part of this, I will say, is by design, or at least it was when it was designed 100 years ago. You know, water managers in the state have to account for flooding in addition to planning for droughts. So they have this sort of dual purpose of like, hey, there's all this rainwater pouring in. We we want to get it away from people's homes and we don't want floods to happen. But at the same time, we don't necessarily want to just shoot it all away into the ocean. So it's a little bit of a delicate dance they have to do. And Alistair, do you know what's preventing like state and local water agencies from maybe capturing and storing more of that rain, whether it be underground in those big aquifers, like is some of it financial or as Haley talked about, like flood related? Yeah, as Haley was driving, by design, a lot of the water is is going to the ocean. We've built channelized rivers to usher the water out out of there and out to the ocean. So we've got to kind of reverse reverse some of that, and that's happening uh, in the Central Valley. Levee, levees are being removed to allow rivers to flood onto the floodplains to beside them. And at the same time, there's a lot of effort, a lot of it funded by the state to design systems to then hold that water there long enough that it can sink into the ground and and then, then it's stored there. And I want to add one more thing that um, there was an estimate that came out from a group uh, in the Bay Area that during January, all the water that fell in the Central Valley watershed, of all that water, 40% was captured in upstream reservoirs. So it, they, they did pretty well. And I think Michael and Haley want to jump in. Michael, you first, and Haley, go ahead. Yeah, and one thing not to lose sight of is that uh, a lot of water, a lot of the runoff, you know, serves a an ecological purpose, and it's not necessarily you know people versus the environment. I mean, you know, these uh, ecosystems need to be kept up uh, for the health of us all. You know, certain areas need to be flushed out uh, the delta to keep uh, you know briny water and salty water from you know coming in upstream. So there's a you know a big purpose for that. You know, having said that, the amount of water that's been falling, you know, could you save enough and also do that? Sure, probably you could. Could you do it logistically and politically? Probably not. I was going to sort of support their their points as well. Yeah, there's this idea that you know trillions of gallons ended up in the ocean. That doesn't mean we could have captured a trillion you know trillions of gallons. Some of it is uncapturable. And then yeah, to Michael's point. Water wasted is sort of not the right terminology. There are environmental benefits. There are other uses for this water. So um, there's more than one way to think about this. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation. 
presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. You're listening to KPBS Roundtable. Our guests this week are Haley Smith from the LA Times, Alistair Bland from Cal Matters, and the Union Tribune's Michael Smolens. So, Alistair, earlier this week, the state's water board, they decided to temporarily increase capacity at some Central Valley reservoirs. That move angered some environmentalists. They say that, you know, this is going to endanger fish as a result. Can you explain what that rule change is and what the impact could be or what regulators are, are hoping for here? It, it was an action that alarmed a lot of environmentalists. Um, the State Water Resources Control Board waived a very basic rule that requires that a certain amount of water be allowed to flow out to the, into San Francisco Bay through the Delta all the way into salt water. There, there's there's rules that dictate how much has to be left to flow out. And in, environmentalists and, and, and many scientists consider these rules very basic foundations of, of struggling but ostensibly healthy ecosystem. And uh, the State Water Board waived that rule. And so this will allow more water to be stored upstream in reservoirs and and uh, later be mostly used as water supply for people. And, and that waiver, the waiver of, of that rule, it was made possible by an action that Governor Newsom took last week when he suspended two environmental rules in California, one of which requires that agencies comply with environmental laws. So, it, so that is a law that ostensibly protects the environment, but but uh, but Newsom waived it or it or suspended it, and that and that enabled the water board to then waive the the slow rule. So, as one source I spoke to called it, it's a breakdown of law and order in the Delta. Hmm. And Haley, so you said we can't store all the rain that comes down, but if state and local water authorities, if they could store more of it, do we know what the potential could be on water supply? Like, could that? get us out of the drought? Or is that just a, a small piece of this puzzle? I think it would help because I think the idea here is to reduce our reliance on imported supplies, right? So if we can improve our water supply locally, then we don't have to purchase as much from Northern California. And that eliminates some of the issues that Sarah's just talking about with the Delta and things like that. And we don't have to purchase as much from the Colorado River, which as we all know, is dangerously low right now. And the federal government is forcing California and six other river states to cut our use of that river pretty drastically. So I think that that's the ultimate goal here. I don't have specific numbers handy, though. And and we know that this whole issue, you know, of capturing more rainwater, it's important because the last three or so years, they've been extremely painfully dry for our state, following even longer periods of drought. Michael, can you kind of put that in perspective for us? You know, why we're talking about this? Why does it matter? Well, it, it's all part of, I think, trying to figure out how do we deal with the future. The future is pretty much set for us. I mean, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we're going to, you know, we'll be in, I think, uh, Alistair might have said, in periods of extended drought or on the cusp of drought, you know, broken up by these uh, atmospheric rivers and, and some deluges, and maybe that'll be long-term for a little bit. So I think that storage is going to be, there's going to be increasing pressure on that, but we know the difficulty of it. Uh, Haley mentioned the Citra's work. Look how long that's taken to even gain traction. I mean, it's been, what, a couple of decades? I, I don't know, but it's just been so long. It's part of the mix, but I, I think that, that the, the big answer is, is 
sort of a diversity of water sources. And we haven't really touched on, I mean, the real issue is agriculture. Um, and, you know, that's where the bulk of the water goes. And I don't think anybody's talking about just cutting off agriculture from water, but I think at some point some choices have to be made as to what's smart. You know, certain crops are very water intensive and can California really handle those? And playing off that for just a minute, and Alistair, this question's for you. You know, we're talking about the Central Valley there in California. The economy, you write, sort of lives off that, pulling out all the water out of the rain, driving the economy there. So are all these big cutbacks, is that feasible for that area? Feasible, maybe, practical, um, not so much, but necessary, probably, because when when surface supplies run short, which they do frequently, and, and most of the contractors south of the Delta rarely get their full allocation of surface water. So surface supplies are always strained. And so they, they've been drawing out of the ground, as, you know, pumping water out of the ground faster than it can, can it, it can go back in. And this is causing the ground to sink and collapse and then cracking highways and canals. And the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act was passed nine years ago, requiring sustainability to, to be achieved through various measures. And it's pretty agreed that agriculture will have to reduce acreage. And I think the estimates are that about 20% or I don't want to say 25%, but at least 20% of irrigated acreage will have to be eliminated to achieve sustainability. So they have to use less water. Yes. And, and not to get more gloomy here, but state regulators are predicting that California's water supply could drop another 10%, and that's by 2040. Haley, we know that California Governor Gavin Newsom announced a plan to deal with that looming reality last summer. What does it call for? Does it call for cutbacks in an area like agriculture, more recycle investments, or what, what sort of it? All of the above, right? There's going to... There's going to be a multifaceted approach to this because as we've talked about, all signs are pointing to a hotter, drier California, potentially punctuated by bouts of extreme weather. So this isn't just about dealing with our water issues today, tomorrow, next month. This is really about like, what is the long-term big picture look like here? So yeah, so to your point, Newsom did unveil this strategy in August, I want to say. And it aims at accelerating infrastructure projects, upgrading the state's water system, which is, as we've mentioned in many places, a century old, and also boosting conservation. There are some plans within it, some specifics to expand groundwater capabilities by at least 500,000 acre feet and to add 3 million acre feet of storage. So these are all good goals. Obviously, most of that work was not done but before the storms arrived this winter, though. And San Diego is often held up as a model for the way that the local water authority has diversified where it gets its water. But there's also a big cost associated with this investment. Michael, do we know how that cost is a part of these conversations about, you know, future proofing or preparing uh, the state's future water supply? Well, the, the cost has sort of taken a little bit of the air out of the balloon, San Diego being this you know, a wonderful model. It has done a great job. I mean, a lot of it, frankly, was political. Uh, San Diego, the San Diego County Water Authority wanted to get out from under the control, basically, of the Metropolitan Water District. Uh, you know, we're still part of Met. But moving to, to where we're at, we've diversified. They, they got this separate deal for Colorado River water through um, the Imperial Irrigation District, which is a major source. And I mentioned sewage recycling, uh, wastewater recycling, that is, and, and, uh, uh, desalination, among other things, the costs have gone through the roof. It's uh, prohibitively expensive for some people to where they're, you know, 
not thinking about not, whether they flush their toilet in certain circumstances or not just to save water, but because of their water bills. Some time ago, at the beginning of all this, when it was clear where, where we were headed, a water-wise friend of mine said, you know, this isn't the end of water, it's the end of cheap water. And uh, I think that really sort of it was very forward-looking and understanding what's going on. And when you talk about costs, I know we have that budget deficit here in California. You have to wonder about how that's going to play into some of this. But I think you mentioned politics in there. And Haley, we know that you talked to one expert who made the distinction between a literal drought and a political one. What, what's his point there? What does he mean? Yeah, I think this is actually a really important point. So there's the, the hydrologic drought, which is sort of a reflection of our water conditions, uh, snowpack, reservoir levels soil moisture, et cetera. And then there is the political drought, which is, you know, Governor Newsom declared a statewide drought emergency in 2021. He has not lifted that yet. He hasn't even really given any indication of potentially lifting that anytime soon. And that's partially because that declaration gives the state some some powers and some authorities to help local and regional jurisdictions address some of their water supply issues. I think that was sort of the distinction there. And, and you know, the expert you referenced made the point that we probably shouldn't declare the drought, quote unquote, over either politically or hydrologically, because we are entering this new climate reality. And we're probably never going to be able to live the way we have in the past. So we really do need to sort of re-envision or reimagine our relationship with water and and make conservation a way of life and not just something we do when it stops raining. Alistair, go ahead. I think California has a lot of room to, to keep growing if that's what's going to happen and then still use less water. And that's been the, the trend in urban areas in the past 20 or 30 years. Water use went up with population growth for a while, but then you, see, you look at these graphs and you see even as population increased overall, not per capita, but just per capita, but overall water use actually has declined in a lot of urban areas, even as population grew. So that is achievable. And various experts and analysts say that we can continue achieving more using less water. And, and it is the cheapest form of water is it's, it's conservation. And we know that California is under a drought emergency, but we know some places are hit harder than others. Alistair, I'm just curious, do you think it's fair to look at it from a whole statewide perspective, or is it better to look at it, you know, region by region? Region by region is seems more more of an efficient way to do that, and I think they do do that. The, the drought monitor, I believe, goes county by county, but um, but yeah, there's a there's a region on the north coast of, of California. Well, I should say the whole north coast of California receives far more rain than than the south. And I spoke with the, the director of a of a water agency up there who who says that every year their main reservoir fills up. They have no drought. And he said, I'm sorry, I wish we had a tunnel through a mountain and we could send you some of our water, but we can't. So there, there's it, it varies from place to place for sure. I will say this region by region thing is also sort of a newer, a newer approach because during the last drought under Governor Brown, he did declare a statewide drought emergency and set sort of statewide rules. And I think a lot of people were waiting for Newsom to do that as we were getting into this current drought. And he never really did. And ultimately, he ended up doing sort of a county by county. I think the drought emergency was first in like Mendocino and Sonoma counties and then adding more and more based on local conditions. And the idea was 
yeah, we're going to be a little bit more reactive to local conditions. And so now on the flip side, as we are getting all this rain and snow, I've spoken to some state officials who are saying the same thing. We're probably going to leave this drought the way we came in, which is county by county or region by region. So that'll be interesting to, to see if that's what ends up coming to pass. And, and as we sort of wrap up the show here, I want to get your final thoughts. You know, what are you guys going to be looking for as these issue around water, water capture, supply, and of course the drought evolved? And Alistair, we can start with you. Groundwater storage is going to be a big one. And I'm, I'm eager to see how, how aggressively we develop and, and advance the programs to grab that stormwater that's coming down the river systems and bring it out into fields and, and train at the area basins and sink it. And it's work is happening really fast now. And we just, this, this winter was a lesson that we, we have to act quickly and take advantage of those spells because they can sneak up on us. Nobody saw this, this wet spell coming. Michael Haley? Well, I think that, uh, you know, sort of the all of the above approach that, that looking at how we as, you know, a state and, and individual regions look to solve this problem. You know, I've used the term diverse water sources, which San Diego's done. San Diego's not alone. Others have, have done that. And capture is certainly one of them. But I, I think that the key thing is, is uh, you know, Alistair had mentioned conservation. And a lot of that, I think, is going to have to come uh, from the from the agriculture, uh, there's just so much wa- of the waters being used here that that's going to be part of it. Certainly, you know, whatever can be wrung out of you know, the residential and urban and commercial areas and more can be. Uh, I think there's just going to be more focus on whether, you know, farmland is going to be fallowed or different kind of crops are going to be used uh, because that's going to be a big deal. I think for me, if you're asking what I'll be paying attention to, there's probably two things come to mind. One is Colorado River. This is a huge story and the implications and ramifications of this are going to be massive. And so that's something we all, I think, are going to be watching very closely. That's sort of a more pessimistic answer. On a more positive answer would be, I'm excited about recycling. I think uh, water recycling is going to be increasingly important um, and just being smarter about how we use and reuse our water I think that's a big part of the future of water use in California. We're going to have to end it there for this week's edition of KPBS Roundtable. And I want to thank our guests, Haley Smith from the LA Times, Alistair Bland from Cal Matters, and Michael Smolens from the San Diego Union Tribune. Be sure to stream our show anytime as a podcast. Roundtable is produced by Andrew Bracken and Rebecca Chacon is our technical director. I'm your host, Matt Hoffman. Thanks so much for being here with us and have a great weekend. 